Hello and welcome to season two, episode six. I think it's six. It should it yes. should be what our did we do one in May at all? I guess we were we ran into May when we did it, didn't we? Yes. So that probably counts. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, I'm confused. We were gonna hang on for the PS the, the PlayStation 5 uh, reveal when it was gonna be last week anyway, and then the world went to shit. And so we just kind of delayed it until everything's calmed down. And I think we're okay to do one now, are we? Are we? Probably, probably. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, it is June the 15th, 2020. I'm Christy. And I'm Dan. And we've got an awful lot to talk about. I suspect this might be a bit longer than an hour. Uh, so let's just get cracking. Crack on, Dan. Oh. What have we been playing? Well, I've been playing a lot of an early access racing sim called Kartcraft, which is, um, it's just, it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's amazing because I've got a little bit of history with karting and my dad was a, a carter all the way through my, my childhood. And it's unbelievably realistic. It's had a little bit of a, it's been in development hell for a long time because it's a very small development team. I, I don't even know if it's more than one person, to be honest. But what they've done is quite remarkable. I don't know if you've seen any of the videos I've put up. Yeah, I have. I watched a couple. And and it's, in, in VR especially, it's mind-blowing. And it's they've nailed the feeling of karting. And it's purely karting. There's a lot of people talking about lack of content. But come on, it's like a 13-quid early access sim. And it's the best karting simulation I've ever seen in VR with about six tracks and probably the best time trial mode I've ever encountered in uh, this kind of game. It's called face-off mode and basically what it does is it takes a person immediately above you in the leaderboard, shows them to you as and in VR it's quite weird because they're standing right in front of you and then you chase them, you're chasing their time trial so you're you're racing against them on the track until you beat them and then it goes for the next person up from you. Um, That's reasonably similar to the rival stuff you can do in Forza games. Oh, really? Yeah, you, you, it kind of gives you a target and then once you've beaten that target in your time trial thing, it just gives you the next one along. Yeah. So it's not quite as personal as here's your enemy. <laughs> that, that is what it is. They, they're standing right in front of you. You can physically see them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like face to face, <laughs> and and then you're racing against them, and it, it's so effective and so well done. And actually, the clever thing about it is, is that, and it'll be the same in Forza as well. Is that the faster you get, the better the person you beat, the more you learn from the next person. Yeah, because their lines are better, and they're they've got more tricks, and they and you you you're constantly and to up to a certain point. You, it's one of the best ways to learn a track I've ever come across. And I've just been having an absolute whale of a time with it. And it's, like I say, it's only six tracks. But I've just been absolutely engrossed in it. I think I've, in two weeks, I've got about 25, 30 hours in it. I think I watched one of your early races. <clears throat> um, and I watched all the way through and I was willing you on because you slowly made your way through the field. <laughs> and then you stacked it on one of the chicanes <laughs> towards the end <laughs> and lost any chance of getting past the final couple because they were all kind of bunched together. 
Yeah, that's right. And you, one of the things, as you find with the AI, I, when they're not being murdery, and they are quite murdery AI, um, is is that you'll find that there'll be like some of them racing quite hard together and they get in this little train. And when they get in that train, it's quite hard to find a space to just get by one of them. You have to be yeah. able to get past all of them. Otherwise, you're going to get punted halfway through a corner. And so I, I think the AI is the one thing that needs work on it. Um, because for it, for every one of those videos I've done, and I've done a few now, uh, I've probably had about 20 to 25 restarts. Because <laughs> uh, they are very murdery. They're, they're not very aware of 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 where you are but when you get a good race is worth all the restarts i've just had such a good time on it and i've learned learned a huge amount um in terms of racecraft as well which when i went back to some of the other sims like i said of course of competizione i was actually much faster having spent some time in cartcraft the idea is that i'll it worked my way up from karting. So I'm spending a month doing kart craft and not much else. Uh, yeah. And then moving up to a, a sim that gives me all the different formula. And so working my way up through the slower formula until I get to something that's a bit more substantial. And then I'll start maybe looking at going online. So it's, yeah. uh, I'm, uh, I'm basically trying to mimic the career of a, a racing driver in a quite short space of time doing this learning on the go across multiple games though yes yeah nice it's quite a good idea yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's basically i mean i've been playing other things i've been doing some streams uh halo reach with with my daughter yeah. that's been uh, quite fun actually because she's never i mean we played i let her play halo with me a long time ago but we've not really done anything since then so kind of doing it in chronological order trying to get that finished before halo infinite comes out as well yeah well that's been me really um i have well actually i've just recently started yet another playthrough of diablo 3 and this time i'm going to get to the end because <laughs> i just wanted to um <laughs> I've had about four or five different starts. Yeah, this me time too. Um, I just wanted a a fairly um, not quite brain dead, but easy to chew and digest game. Very yeah, I know you just, mean. <laughs> It's quite easy to play if you play on the default difficulty, but still good fun and very yes. well made. It's a nice um, light show, really. Yeah. Um, and the other one I've been playing is 51 Worldwide Games on the Nintendo Switch, um, which is essentially 51 sort of board games, card games, small games that you can play multiplayer online a bit, etc., etc. And they're just all really nicely done. Yeah. I had a version on the Game Boy Advance, possibly. I, I had one on... The, I Maybe thought it was a the DS. 3DS or DS yeah. or something like that. DS, I had the last one on. And it's definitely a step up from that graphically. Oh, God, yeah. Um, it, it's got it's got the Nintendo quirkiness about it as well. Yeah. Um, and it also has a version of Mahjong, which I play the sort of British rules, which is similar to the Chinese rules. And this is Japanese Mahjong, but 
again, it's it's quite similar. There's some differences in the scoring and how what's important to collect, but it's the same basis, and so that's really nice to play. Yeah, I I quite like um, the way it introduces you to new games. It's it's done very well, and it's it's I mean it's like a museum in a way um, yeah. of gaming history and kind of a little message to everyone that we've been gaming for thousands of years and you know <laughs> stop being alarmed at games people it's part of human nature i the the one that's taken i haven't played much but the one that really um i, I really enjoyed when i played it was the i think it's called mancala the the marbles one about planting seeds yes yeah uh, yeah i had a lot of fun with that I, and it's it's that kind of thing it's it's introducing games from all around the world that you might not have ever come across um and a lot of it's online um and a lot of it supports local multiplayer as well which is nice yeah i now haven't got around to trying it yet but i believe it's got the equivalent of the old ds 3ds thing where you only need one copy of the game if you've got more than one yes. local switch yes i'm not sure whether that's limited in some way i think it but is but i think it's not that limited i think it's about 30 of the games it's pretty generous yeah um so that's really nice and the other thing it's done is it's forced me to get a nintendo online subscription which i've been <laughs> holding off on for quite some time yeah um, i got a decent deal on that for a family one for 25 quid i don't think it's that bad a deal to be honest i'm just annoyed at the features <laughs> yeah i know but you know nintendo will be nintendo and and a lot of it is to do with uh the per- perception that nintendo is family friendly and that they have to keep kids safe a yep. lot of, a lot of this stuff is to do with just not letting kids be at risk um yeah because while you know the same risks apply to PlayStation and Xbox, if it was to happen at Nintendo, it would be so much worse in the press. I think so. It's I I can see why they're reluctant to introduce features that you and I might expect. Yeah, and that's probably most of my game time this month. Yeah, I mean we've been plodding along with Neo as well yeah that's taken let's take how far are we how far do you think we're through it we, 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 depends how many areas there are we're about half the way through the second area i think oh god <laughs> it's taken it so long there could be quite a few as they tend to reuse area actual yeah. levels for other I side mean, missions and things as well i mean that's fine i mean how long did it take us to get through bloodborne together it's like a year mm. wasn't it yeah, that was a good long time. And uh, Dark Souls remastered as well. Uh, it might have been a combination of the two. Yes. To be fair, I don't want to feel like it sound like we're complete empties because we we're. But it, it was a good 80 hours plus on the clock for the characters by the time we'd finished both of those, I think. Yeah. 80 hours each. Yes. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe it was because. We probably play a couple of hours each session, we'd and that's once a week. And we'd do stuff in between if we needed to uh, 
get to the right place to join up, etc. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, it could well have been a year. So yeah, I oh. think Neo's. It, I, I mean, I'm really hoping it's not that as long as that, but it. <laughs> I can see us playing it this time next year. <laughs> um, right. So let's get on to the, uh, the possible meat and bones of this month's podcast, which yeah. is the PS5 big reveal. And it was a big happened. reveal. Was. In many ways. Yes. <laughs> um, so they've been. there's been rumours that it was going to happen since February. Yeah. And then delays due to coronavirus. And then eventually it got around to E3 time. And then it was meant to be the week before last. And then because of the situation in the US, yeah. it then got delayed by another week. And so finally we had it. And it was it was an hour long. It was largely game demo, game demo, game um, video, launch video type stuff. Yeah. All the way through. Um, about 26 games shown, nine of which were Sony, oh, PlayStation Worldwide Studios, they are, now. So nine of them were Worldwide Studios games. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot there. Format-wise... I thought it was very good. I was going to ask, what did you come away thinking? Um, I wish there was an E three. No, I didn't either. This is, uh, and that I think surprised it, me. It was a lot better than Sony's recent showings at E three in terms of how it all just flowed together. It was I mean, it they, was punchy, I thought, and yes. it flowed very well together. It was a constant, apart from a couple of, and I'm sorry, I am going to say it, a couple of very millennial titles. There was, um, I, 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 almost every game there I wanted to play and play now, yeah. and and actually, I came away thinking I I, I don't miss E3 at all. This that felt like Gamer Christmas. That was the time where i realized that actually this format that they used i i really like their state of play ones have been quite nintendo-y in terms of yeah nintendo direct they've been a um, little bit conservative though yes but uh, this was this was slightly different mm -hmm. um and it was punctuated by little segments of just like the symbols PlayStation symbols going through in a funky way and then it goes on to the next one. Yeah. There was occasional bits of chat from developers or presenters, but that was very minimal. Um, Do you know what I really won't miss? What? Is um, developers pretending to play the game on stage. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Uh, and I just thought it was actually a lot more honest in this yeah. format. <laughs> um, and a lot there was some criticism afterwards of people saying that they would have liked some developers to be able to explain their games a bit more and a bit more behind the things. But I don't know. I just think that, that it doesn't need that. Well, say, it, this is what the game is. Go and find out some more. It's yeah. not like this is the only information you're being given by in it or not. <laughs> it's, <laughs> It's introducing you to the game, and then there'll be more information as it gets closer to the release date. Yes. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's um, we're right in the middle of what they're calling this summer of gaming. I spent a, um, and I'll just quickly mention how awesome the Le Mans twenty four hours virtual was. It's the best sim racing <laughs> event ever. I spent twenty four hours pretty much, apart from six hours of sleep, completely glued to it. Ironically, I've never ever managed to watch a whole Le Mans twenty four hours before. <laughs> um, <laughs> and was. Mm-hmm. What was what was so captivating apart from maybe the the actual racing, but was there something to do with how it was presented? It was presented exactly like the real thing. They had commentators. They had one of my favorite commentators out there, a guy called Martin Haven, who does a lot of Eurosport stuff. Um, he was commentating and it just had the same gravitas. Now clearly it was a game, but the racing was the same. The prep was the same. They were every bit as committed. They had the race director there from Le Mans handing out the penalties for infringements and things like that, <laughs> just like in the real race. So there was a lot on the line, whereas in a lot of the previous sim racing stuff, which has been great, it's still been racing drivers playing a game. Yeah, This was race drivers simulating a race. And and it was fab, um, but that's completely off off topic. I I, I spent like the twenty four hours watching that, but also glued to the um, the presentations that happened over the over the weekend. There was the Gorilla Gaming, the Gorilla Collective thing, which was it was some of it was very interesting. There was the future was the future of gaming by Future Publishing, yeah. the PC gaming show. Both of those were really interesting. And, and all of those gave developers a big opportunity to talk about their games. And, and it's not like the Sony thing is, is the only place where Sony's going to be explaining, you know, no. uh, you know, all the details about the games they showed. No. And it was, it's very specifically a show to more or less launch the PS5. We'd known a lot about it up until now seen little bits and the logo etc but it was a launch and you don't need sort of where are we now june four five months out from the, the console launch we, you don't need that much information on everyone yeah i think maybe they could have had a bit more proper gameplay but they did at least everything they showed was running on ps5 hardware yeah which was fairly pertinent given that the vast majority of the Xbox sort of indie showing they did last month or so was running on PCs based on what they expect the performance of the Xbox Series X to be. Really? I thought that, yeah, I thought that was a very much a, spe- a slightly slight jab, really. <laughs> The thing about it is, though, I I think, so, you know, I'm well behind what Microsoft are doing in terms of their software and services and all that kind of stuff. I think it's great. Um, I I keep on saying this. I I don't really see an argument for their hardware. Yeah. Because, you know, everything they're doing is going to run on a PC through their Ultimate Game Pass service or whatever. Yeah. But as far as PS... Five went. I, I I felt like they justified the existence of the hardware very well indeed. Um, yeah, and it went from me being, you know, I still wasn't quite sure 
uh, you know, there's some. It, I, it could have gone either way if Microsoft had ch uh, shown something particularly, because they're going to be showing stuff soon as well, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so they've. I'm not sure if they got anything big this month. Right. Next month they should be have their proper Xbox Series X show. Should be more like the Sony one in terms of launch, and then August is the rumored unveiling of the Lockhart. Right. Okay. So in my head, I I mean I was already siding it, you know, with the idea of getting a PlayStation Five first because. Of what I've just said, I you know I I'll be able to run most of what Microsoft produce on my laptop, but that it was still you know slightly up in the air at least. But this, as soon as they showed Demon Souls, it <laughs> honestly doesn't really matter what Microsoft show now for for me at least. If the Xbox Series X will be coming at a later date for me, I will move mountains to get a PS Five. Yeah, well, I, I'd already always planned next year for the Xbox Series X. Yeah. Um, so it was only last year I got the X1 X. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I think that definitely I was always likely to get a PlayStation 5 first. Um, and for me, I don't really game that much on PC. Yeah. I recently put Game Pass on my laptop, but it's, it's and it can handle stuff okay it's not rubbish it's got decent -ish graphics card in it but it's not somewhere i like to game so i the x series xbox series x makes sense for me in terms of it adds something different and extra yeah um, yeah so, i mean i was the same as you i didn't I, I i didn't like gaming on a laptop because it's where i work yeah but something's changed in the last six months or so, and maybe maybe lockdown has a lot to do with that as well, because you know everyone's here all the time, so the TV's in demand a lot. So being able to game on the the laptop is has suddenly become it's it's pretty much become my main gaming space. So, okay. Um, which is which is interesting because I've never really called myself a PC gamer. So what did we think of the? looks and design because this is the first time we've seen it we've known what the xbox series x looks like for well over six months yeah um, well actually just about six months now i'm lying there a bit <laughs> is it that long mad that is mad it was it was right at the end of last year they had a reveal at the oh yeah it was the video game awards wasn't it yeah that's right um i absolutely love it I, I i watched a video by game ranks earlier on today uh, and the guy there was talking about oh, the controversy and people being up you know uh, mocking it online but he put it quite well he said if i get uh if i'm spending hundreds of pounds on a piece of plastic technology i want to look it, it to look like it's from the future and <laughs> And it does, and and I'm the same. I I want it to be a statement. I do not want it to to meld into my wall. That thing needs to stand out. It's it's sizable. I do <laughs> yeah. like the design. It's um, massive. It's taller than the Series X. Yeah, that it's, surprised it's me. Chunkier. It, effectively, it's chunkier than the fat PS3. Yeah. Which was already sizable, but 
yeah, no, I like the design and the sort of the cues of how it links up with the design of everything else they put with it. Yeah, and it's, and it's definitely camera, taking exactly. cues from PSVR. Um, yeah. Which makes me think I, I'm really keen to see what they're doing with the next generation of that now, because I think yeah. that means they're doubling down on VR. Yeah, I think there's definitely a PSVR 2 coming. Yeah. Well, apparently I read on, I think it was Upload VR, that there's details about the camera and its refresh rate and things like that, which will make it, even with the, if you just plugged in the current PSVR headset, it will improve performance massively. Uh, okay. So, yeah, it it looks like the, I mean, the camera is is built for high performance VR. That's good. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's quite nice is that people have noticed if you look really closely at the various bits, the textures on the sort of inside of the um, the console itself um, and also on the controller get really close. It's made up of very small circles, triangles, X's and squares. Yeah, I saw that. I do wonder is, if that's just a little touch that the render artist put in. Yes, I'm wondering that, but it'd be nice if it makes it to the final machine. Yeah. I just, I worry a little bit because we know what the gaming internet is like. Uh, and if that doesn't... <laughs> Pre-order <turn>, cancelled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolute fury abounds if it turns out it's just a normal texture because doing that's physically impossible. You know, yeah. so we'll see. I, I, I have my doubts whether that's actually a real physical touch or, or not. I'd be, you know, highly impressed if it is, though. I think the other thing I will say before it, it it kind of occurred to me in terms of the size of the thing that actually really and truly it, this is still a, in like the Series X it's a glorified PC tower how many towers have you seen like gaming PCs desktops which are have gone the whole completely gearish look yes um, it's hard, hard to find one that doesn't look like it's a transformer of some sort. Yeah. So, <laughs> I I mean, it is kind of, it is borrowing from that aesthetic quite heavily. And it's, it's quite clever. It's like the big, you know, the new Mini in that the shape of it, you can't help but read it as a as smaller than it is. That's, it's the same sort of stuff that the original Xbox 360 did mm -hmm. kind of dipped in the middle yeah and it ends up looking smaller than it is yes yeah it's a clever piece of design I think I mean it's outrageous yeah. and, and quite brave and I, I love it and so yeah it sucks to I don't know yeah. over half the internet <laughs> just sort of looking through what they actually showed they started off with the bizarre Grand Theft Auto 5 thing which was a bit weird and out of place. I kind of see it's a good way of keeping their Grand Theft Auto V players because that, that game's sold the most of any this generation. Yeah, I, I think that's to do with them. It's a statement that they're aligning themselves with PlayStation, but they didn't yeah. have anything to show. <laughs> no, it's not even coming till. 2021 is it yeah but then we segued it into 
some much bigger titles. So Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be fab. That was excellent. There was a little bit of internet outrage where people were slightly unsure about whether it was an add-on or Hell whether it was, a, it was just like, oh my God, why didn't they clarify? It took all of half a day for them to clarify. <laughs> yeah. Like, panic over. Um, I mean, it's one of two options. Either is or isn't. Either way, yeah. it's going to cost you some money. Yep. <laughs> And you do have to download it digitally. So. Um, Then we had Gran Turismo 7, which was very much rumored to be coming. Yeah. um, And it's a proper numbered series. So it's kind of, we got Gran Turismo Sport on the PS4, which was seen as a bit of a departure in approach. It was. I, I mean, they even it. admitted that it, the, the Gran Turismo Sport was effectively a stopgap. Yeah, I think they they did some good work there, particularly with how they manage online races. Yes, um, I agree. And sort of penalties and stuff like that, and that's given them a good basis for the next in line. Yeah, um, look quite nice. I'd probably ought to mention at this point that the stream was 1080p 30 frames a second and it wasn't great quality um and that may have tempered some some people's opinion but mainly the people who were watching it live anyway yeah and, and also afterwards. generally the people who wanted to be outraged anyway yes um but straight afterwards they had a lot of better quality 4k videos up on youtube in fact during the conference they would they were being put up yeah. So I think it was more partly maintaining consistency and also the, the current situation we're in where people like Netflix and Amazon are both um, reducing bandwidth and stuff that they use because yeah. there's so much in use. After Gran Turismo 7, we had Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. This one looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, yeah, I think the the most remarkable thing for me was the way that they went through the portals instantly and the loading off the SSD was it was yes. clearly built to demonstrate that. You know, yeah. it just instant loading of another world with, you know, just imp- no perceptible loading at all. No. I um, mean, you've got to have some sort of transition um and it was just over a second or so for each one. Um, yeah. And that's just yeah, this it, that was very much a, this is what our SSD can do. And I, I saw a tweet by somebody um, that basically said, anybody watching, and all the gamers watching were going, oh, yeah, that's cool. All the developers were going, what? <laughs> <laughs> How would you do that? <laughs> yeah. Because they understand exactly what's going on there. Yeah. So, yeah, that that bodes very well, I think. Mm. And I think also we should say one of the reasons the thing is so big is because it, of heat management and yeah. and getting the heat away from the SSD and the CPU and the GPU. And, and the custom and, chips. <laughs> and so hopefully it won't sound like a jet engine. This is very, very true. And this, that's, my num- that's actually my number one request because I'm, I mean, Rachel, I got Rachel 
uh, my wife, I got her Assassin's Creed Odyssey about a, begin- about a month ago. It was yep. cheap on Amazon. She played it and she enjoyed it. And she doesn't, she won't play it anymore because the PS4 is too noisy. <laughs> and, it's, and it is a problem. And, it, you know, well, Rachel's got, she wouldn't admit it, but I'm, I'm absolutely positive she's going deaf. Either that or she doesn't listen to me. You figure that one out. <laughs> um, and, um, and, you know, it must be quite annoying if you're struggling to hear what's going on anyway. And you've got this thing that's absolutely just the loudest thing in the room. It's a problem. So that that's something that they need to address. And I, I think that, I mean, we, we know that that's why the Xbox Series X is that big. It's also yeah. why the the PS5 is going to be massive. Yeah. Sorry, that was a long introduction. <laughs> I wonder if the um, the stand is part of that as well. Uh-huh. To ensure that there is even whichever way up it is, there's a, a way for air to come in through the bottom. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise it, me. It wouldn't surprise um, me at all. Um, then we had Project Athia by Square Enix, which looked quite nice, interesting. Um, As did Deep Down. Yes, and it's got the project yeah, at the beginning, yeah. which doesn't always bode well for titles. No. Um, one of the things I noticed about that was on the video during the stream, it said designed exclusively for PlayStation 5. Right. And then the video they uploaded afterwards said designed for PS5. And then at the end, it said console exclusive for a limited time. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they changed the wording at some point. That's very strange. Yeah. Then we start getting into some of the slightly more different and I'd probably say some of the things that we haven't seen so much in Sony conferences. So I think that there had been something of a shift away from them promoting the indie titles. It was kind of a, they supported them very well at the beginning of the PS4. Mm. And as the generation went on, they just kind of, it was almost like they were taking them for granted. They'll come here because we've got what the biggest user base is. So they in certainly in the conferences, they weren't promoting them so much. I still noticed PlayStation blog, etc., was promoting a lot of indie titles, but conferences were kept for the bigger games. Yeah. I think even though the stuff we saw was this time was high quality, and you'd say more maybe double A space, then but that partly to me, says indie developers are getting much better. And also that the PlayStation 5 is pretty good to develop for. Yeah. Because even small teams are getting a decent amount of stuff ready for an E3 conference before launch. Yeah, agreed. Um, but it also meant that we saw quite a lot of interesting titles with sort of what-the-fuck moments, um, which <laughs> yeah. I was pleased about because that's a lot of what I associate Sony with and why I quite like, why I'll always have a PlayStation each generation because I just like something different. Yeah, I, um, I still think it, Xbox has a bit of an uphill struggle with uh, 
kind of uh, tapping that market. I, I still don't believe that they understand uh, the market that, you know, it, it, people like me who are like, we kind of considered gaming butterflies who want to try a bit of everything and are very interested in all sorts of different kind of gameplay experiences. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that Microsoft caters very well to them. The closest they get to doing that well is something like Deep Rock Galactic, which just hit 1.0 that uh, um, in the last couple of months, a uh, couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, but that is still a shooter. It's not, you know. It, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think what Microsoft first party titles are. A bit out there. The, the the closest they've got that's coming out anytime soon is grounded. Yeah. And, and that's still relatively conservative. It's kind of following a lot of what's the direction that other people have already gone in. Yeah. I mean I, I'm I'm intrigued by it and, and I'll definitely you know, give it some time. But it's not it's not on the same level as I don't know, the likes of Journey or or anything like that. And it, the Tomorrow Children. Yeah. Which, you know, like failure that. failure as it was, I still loved. Absolutely. And, and in fact, weirdo that I am, even though I can't play it because the servers <laughs> are gone, I refuse to delete it from my hard drive because <laughs> I find the startup screen comforting. <laughs> so yeah um, I do think that they definitely you know they they definitely showed that they're staying the course in terms of kind of being more taking more risks with the games that um, they promote and get behind yeah yeah it's not just what's going to be exclusive to your platform because a lot of the titles, apart from the PlayStation Worldwide Studios ones, are going to come to other platforms, at least PC, um, or maybe PlayStation 5 exclusive for a limited time. But it's the choice of what you choose to promote your system. Yeah. Um, and that says a lot about the the system you're trying to promote. And it, and it kind of ties in going back to it again and we've gone back to it a couple of times already the design yeah it's it's risk taking and and they want to be seen to taking risks uh yeah. and i think that it, microsoft as as great as they've become over the last few years and i do really like what they've done with game pass and i like phil spencer's attitude and and all that kind of stuff they still seem a little too risk averse for me yes i think they had a period at the start of xbox one where they went very risk averse yeah um and they've as it's been proven as a a decent um money earner then they're starting to take more risks and spend more money to make money yeah but not expecting everything they spend money on to be a big earner yes um of the, the bigger picture uh, yeah I, th- I think they'll be you know they'll ne- next next the next year or so will be interesting to see what appears on game pass 
Yeah. Anyway. Right. Um, yes. Let's um, knock through a couple of these quickly. Stray, which mm. was the cat thing. <laughs> yeah. Which was just a cat wandering through a technologically advanced robot world. There's, I mean, I won't say much about it, but there's been, been a, a weirdly large amount of cat games appeared over the last few uh, week or so. <laughs> yeah. It's been really um, strange. Um, Housemark were there with Returnal, which is... I got so excited by that. I cannot wait to see that. That's Housemark. Yes. Uh, and uh, they did... Um, what was the name of the game? It was a launch game on the PS4. Ooh, Resogun. Resogun, that's it. Um, which is still one of my favourite games on the system, even though I couldn't remember the bloody name. They've got quite a strong history with arcade Shmups. Shoot-mups. Yeah. Um, and this looks like they've actually, you can see the DNA running through the, what was shown of this one. Yeah. It's a lot more story-based higher production values in terms of the scope of being more of a larger adventure, shall we say. Yeah. It, it actually reminded me, because there's, there's a whole thing about the, uh, in there about it kind of dying and coming back with different, it seemed yeah. like different DNA or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that reminded me of a game that I got on... I'm just in itch.io just now to try and find my library. There was a, a a game I got on there, which was like a roguelike-y thing where um, it might be called Beacon, actually. Um, and that, yeah, it is. And it's, uh, it's a lot more expensive now. I got it for like a fiver. It's 20 quid now. Um, it, it looks really good. And it's it, the idea there is that you fight your way through this kind of isometric roguelike world, and um, what happens is that when you die, a clone gets created and you start again, but it gets recreated with the DNA of something that you killed on the way and all that kind of stuff. So it, it looks okay. like it's taken something from Beacon. I don't know if it's deliberate or, you know convergent evolution but that's a good game actually beacon so i i quite like i'm i'm attracted to that idea and anything by house mark is going to be quality so i'm i'm up for that i don't like the name but aside from that yeah just don't it just doesn't quite no <laughs> but um, a, lot, a lot of their games have that they kind of play with where i mean resogun for example you know yes. it's it, they do that. They kind of munge words together. So, yeah. Um, Sackboy, a big adventure by Sumo Digital. Yeah. So I wasn't really expecting Little Big Planet to come back again. No, I wasn't. But I think it was Sumo Digital who did the PS Vita version of. They well, did they Little did Big Little Planet Three. Yeah. So actually, that looked really nice for me. Um, it fills a nice little part of the um, sort of family game area. I yeah. think over, overall, the selection of games had a really good variety of different game types and genres covered. 
I, yeah, I, I think that's something that's worth talking about, actually, because, I mean, it's relevant just now anyway, but the whole idea of inclusivity and games that appeal to every walk of life. And it, it's actually a little bit of a concern in terms of the controller, um, because okay. what uh, I found in my house is, I mean, I've, uh, I've got my wife, Rachel, and my daughter, Lily, here. And neither of them will touch the Xbox because the controller is too big. And what you have mm-hmm. is like a, a kind of a gaming culture which is seems to revolve around blokes boasting about the size of their hands when you talk about controllers. <laughs> and actually, I think that's... I, I worry because the new controller looks that much bigger than the previous one. And I do worry that the, in going after that group of people who like Xbox pads and say, my hands are big, that they're actually going to start excluding, they're designing out a large part of the market. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I'd like to see actual proper comparisons rather than uh, what people are guessing at. What they, if what Sony have said, um, I saw today was that what they say is that it will feel much smaller than it is, weirdly, yeah. somehow by magic. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just a little bit concerned by that. I, I, I'd rather, I mean, I do you remember a white, like maybe during the Xbox 360 days, you could buy smaller controllers? Yes. I had one for my son. Yeah. It was a small Xbox controller. Yeah. But you, the amount of effort they put into making different colored ones, you'd think maybe a slightly smaller one. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing. There's no such thing as an average person or an average hand. Can't really make them adjustable. No. But, I mean, I don't know. It, it, just, it just feels like they're catering to the big handed gamer a little bit <laughs> a little bit too much for me for my like I, I i you know i want to be able to share this with you know it, my family um yeah. and if they're being designed out of it you know in terms ergonomically i think that's a problem yeah we shall see yeah anyway i have no idea how we got onto that <laughs> um <laughs> destruction all stars it's another Sony PlayStation Worldwide Studios one. And it's made by the remnants of Bizarre Creations and some of the Studio Liverpool people who were white back. Yeah. Um, so it's got a decent pedigree with it. Yeah. Um, and it looked quite nice. It, it, it elicited a woot from me. An actual <laughs> real-life woot. My, my family looked at me very strangely and then I said, this is Destruction Derby. You should yeah. be wooting as well. <laughs> well, you can get out of the car. <laughs> Though it didn't look especially good idea. No. <laughs> um, but it's kind of got possibilities of, of picking up something of the um, Rocket League crowd or even possibly Fortnite-y yeah. type one. So, um, yeah, that looked quite interesting. Then there was Keener Bridge of Spirits, which... I think, as we were discussing at the time, looked a bit generic. Yeah. Had cute little furry ball things. But it's only being made by a team of 12 people, apparently. Yeah. Oh, it looked lovely. 
watching videos afterwards, it does look very nice. Yeah. We'll see. Then it was goodbye, Volcano High. Yeah. <laughs> W-T-F. In a bad way. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what that's about. I what was going on or why. Just why. Highly millennial. That's all the only thing I'm going to say there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm sorry, millennials, if you're listening. There, but there's, there's a, there's a fan art element to a lot of games that are coming out at the moment. <laughs> it's like, here's me as a dinosaur. Here's me as a furry. That kind of thing. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and this game was that. Do you know what I mean? It was. Yeah. Uh, I. I I guess I've got one one more year in my forties. Maybe I'm just too old to understand. <laughs> um, right, moving swiftly on. Oddworld Soulstorm. It was Lorne Lanning. I was like, oh, Lorne Lanning. I remember him. He yeah. did the Oddworld games ages ago. And lo and behold, Still it was an Oddworld, Oddworld game. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, it didn't Press- really. I mean, it was nice to see again, and it's, uh, I saw somebody say, you know, at the very least, it's interesting that, you know, it, it like real life gameplay looks like a CGI cartoon now. Yeah, but it didn't really intrigue me at all. It just looked like Hot World. Yeah, not interested. Yeah, um, Ghostwire Tokyo. That was another one of the slightly mad ones. Yeah. I was because uh, they they teased this. I think it was in TGS in the T- Tokyo Game Show. I think might yeah. have been Gamescom, and I was very interested at the time. Uh, I'm not as intrigued by it anymore, having seen some of the gameplay. I think it kind of misses the mark a little bit. I'd, I'd have to, you know, really examine my head to figure out why. But I just kind of came away going, Neh. yeah. It looks like one that hasn't quite got the production values of some of the other titles around that area. Well, there's lots of nice special effects, but the sort of world design, yeah, is reasonably low, low detail. Yeah, I, and maybe that's it. You know, we've it, what we got at the start was this whole idea of um, wow, games you play on the PS5. It looks like you're playing the trailers, yeah. um, and that didn't match up to its original trailer at all. Yeah, it looked a lot. Well, a lot of early Japanese titles on the PlayStation Four were PlayStation Three titles, higher resolution. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and it looked a little bit that sort of mini step to me. Mm-mm. Then there was Jet, the Far Shore. Oh, I loved the look of that. Not quite sure what's going on. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It's I, intriguing. I felt like, it felt like it, it was a, a galaxy-exploring civilization-building yeah, game. I kind of got little bits of No Man's Sky from it, but more yeah. a moving rather than just straight out, chucked in the yeah. middle of something and exploring there. It was more, we're leaving this place and we're going to settle somewhere else. It, what um, it really reminded me of, I wish I could remember the name of this thing. There was a game on, do you remember there was like a BBC micro uh, machine, which was like super impressive at the time. It was like 32 bits and 
I wish I could remember, but it was like everyone was excited by this kind of, it came from the same stable as BBC Micro, but it was super powerful for the time. And there was this game where you piloted a triangular ship across a polygonal landscape. Ooh, that would be, hold on, Mercenary. Pause and then there was... And then there was Damocles after that. Uh, might be something like that, yeah. It, just, it was kind of had ship, some ships. There was a ship that was just a, like a block of cheese. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. Yeah. That's it reminded one. me of that. And what I actually, whilst I was getting No Man's Sky feels from it, it gave a much better sense of the vastness of the world. Yeah. What I find with No Man's Sky is that it feels, because they sort of shrunk everything down, you don't always get such a sense of vastness and having to travel a long way to get to the mountain over there. You see what I mean? And here there was a much larger scale in terms of areas looked large rather than a lot of small areas repeated. Yeah. I mean, I, so, I think there's I just like something it. about um, it's Super Brothers who are doing it, and there's something about their art style that um, it, I find really attractive, and it and it is to do with this kind of expansive the the way the light works as well. Yeah, um, it's it, there's they're very talented in in terms of their artwork, and to see that kind of artwork in motion like that was just. Yeah, I, I, I'm there for that completely. Uh, next up was Godfall, which um, was, in fact, the first PlayStation 5 game we saw. And I quite like the look of it in a um, easygoing... Diablo movie. 3 style. Yeah. Ironically, they're saying they've invented a genre. <laughs> yes, I saw that. <laughs> and I'm like, what, the Diablo genre... <laughs> Well, no, no, they've done it in 3D and uh, slashing like, <laughs> yeah. like Neo. Luto slasher, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But apart from that, it looks like it would be a, a, a nice game to just chill and play through without too much commitment. Yeah. Um, um, ironically, given that it was the first PS5 game, the actual most informative video about it was on the PC Gamer Show. Yeah, I watched the... The other, well, I've watched a shorter, shortish one yeah. um, that was on the uh, PC gaming show, I think. Um, yeah, and it wasn't, gave a much better impression. And it was also lacking the out of place music, which <laughs> the, the music was fine. It just didn't go with the game. <laughs> um, put me off slightly. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to that. I think that's the going to be the brainless retreat whenever I need it, at least for a while. Yeah. Um, next up was Solar Ash by Annapurna. Annapurna. There's no N in it, but there could be. Okay. I mean, Annapurna is... They make... Well, they make really good interesting very beautiful films um and they've also started making very good interesting very beautiful games recently this this was the one that was like hyper is it hyper light drifter yes is that this one yes yeah or it was by the same people 
Ah, right. Okay. Right. It might um, not be the same. No, it's Annapurna Interactive. They're the publisher. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's. Um, yeah, they're one of the ones that have one of the publishers that have quite a few indie. It, they they tend to look for what you might class as auteurs, people who are, you, you know, it, in in terms of like direction of the games. They're they they're. I don't want to sound wanky about it, but there's layers to it. Do you know what I mean? There's, <laughs> um, they tend to go in that direction, which is the direction they've always taken their films as well. Yeah. Then there was Hitman 3. Yeah, I was quite pleased to see that. I mean, Hitman is Hitman is Hitman. So, yeah. Not a massive amount to say, but it looked, you know, it's always going to be fun. Yeah. Then there was another Sony. PlayStation Worldwide Studios. I keep saying Sony PlayStation Worldwide Studios. It was Sony Worldwide Studios. Now it's PlayStation Worldwide Studios. <laughs> um, Astro's Playroom. Um, yeah, it was interesting that because there was no indication of VR there. No. Well, what it is, is it's packed in with every PlayStation 5 preloaded. Right. Uh, it's not a game you buy, but it's more a shortish game which demonstrates the new controller yeah so it will have various areas which will demonstrate the new features of the dual sense and the haptic feedback etc right so it's kind of astro showing off another piece of playstation hardware effectively right okay but they're the team behind it are very inventive so would expect it to be quite good fun to play through yeah definitely then we had another one that I loved. It was one of my, my games of the presentation, which was Little Devil Inside. Yeah, I, I love the look of this. I, it's worth mentioning, just to get in front of it at the moment, is that they got themselves in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Uh, uh, it won't go into too much detail, but they're going to have to change the design of some of the characters, I think. I mean, they did get in front of it admirably well. Apologised. Yeah. Um, and said they, re you know, admitted to being naive um, in terms of their kind, kind of the way they went with their designs and stuff. And and I think that it, most people kind of accepted that. I think, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the look of it. I love the sense of humor uh, more just than anything. What seemed to be happening? It was just I don't quite know how it all fits together, but I want to. <laughs> yeah Rachel when we were watching it Rachel my wife said it's, it's, it looks like it's about illness so yeah. it, it cut to the old man every time the little devil inside did something yes so I, it, it seems like it's it's you know maybe about aging or or you know being unwell in some way yeah it's some in some way the the action type sequences are reflecting what's going on with the old man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that just makes it more intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially as we are becoming one or yes. two even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After that, we have the lovely NBA 2K21. Yeah. Next. Bug snacks. Which <laughs> <had a> great... <laughs> this was completely mad. Um, yeah, uh, this is like literally within five seconds. Uh, my daughter just went, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" 
Yeah. And like his strawberry grows eyes, turns upside down, and walks away on legs which were supposed to be leaves. And it's just like, yeah, okay. And the the way they eat the bugs, and then suddenly they've got strawberry hands. Um, <laughs> it didn't <laughs> with the sort of whole gaming demographic. Um, it didn't go down so well, but I think it was quirky, fun, and I think along with some of the other indie stuff in the show was very representative of Shui Yoshida's new position yeah. in promoting indie games. I think which, this is the thing about it is back to this point of inclusivity. And I, I do wish that the gaming community at large would start learning this, is that games don't have to be for, all games, sorry, don't have to be for everyone. Yeah, you know, and just because it's not aimed at you doesn't mean it's shit. Yeah, absolutely. And I just thought I I loved the fact that that was there, and I loved the fact that I knew on our Discord particularly, I knew there was going to be some, you know, it actually nobody really voiced any anything beyond WTF. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to my left, my daughter was going, "I want that." Yeah. You know, and I, I think that says it all. I, I think that's Sony taking risks and appeal and, and making things that might not be for the mainstream. That was by the same guy, people who did Octodad, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Which, yeah, so it's likely to come to other platforms, but Sony have a history of promoting their stuff. Then, neatly segueing into Shue Yoshida and Demon Souls. My God. Uh, have you seen today or in the last couple of days there's been people up in arms because they're giving us a choice between frame rate and graphics oh god and why why is that picking over changes in design yeah like the tower the tower knight bit well that's completely wrong it should be this because it's a defensive bit and it looks all religious-y and it's like oh get over it yeah it's still the same shape. It looks fantastic. <laughs> you get to play Demon Souls again, and they've done stuff with it. <laughs> it's just like brilliant. Yeah, um, and it's going to be played on a machine that can load shit really quickly. Um, I wonder if they're going to do anything like trying to smoosh together levels a bit more, or whether they'll just stick with the gates and they just happen really quickly. I don't think it would be a Souls game without a big, massive no. door opening. Yeah. Um, but the the sort of hub world. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, no, they, they, I think they, they have to have the hub world. And actually, you know what? As frustrating as, as hell as it would be, I hope they leave the broken stone there. Oh. <laughs> I do. See, I, I want something... Yeah, I kind of want something different and and new to be there, but I suppose it depends on how they mix up the rest of it. Yeah, and whether it is simply redesigned and re sorry in terms of just rebuilt the if same it was, game, or whether it's redesigned in some way. If it was in the spirit of From Software's design, they would leave that stone broken. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> 
Because from software way. likes fucking with you. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. We're getting towards spoiler territory now, discussing it too much. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been long enough that now it's coming out again. They're spoilers. I suppose. But, I mean, it's there from the start. When you get into the no, I mean, I mean, no, what I was about to discuss. I've oh. stopped myself. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You probably know what I'm thinking yeah. of. I suspect. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm well up for playing through Demon Souls again. Mm. Um, I wonder if they changed the co-op side of things at all, because it wasn't as, so with more recent, Dark Souls games and Bloodborne, then we can work out a way to end up playing yeah, together through most true. of it. Yeah, Demon Demon Souls was more, much more bring somebody in when when you need a bit of help. I I always felt like limited. it was people passing through each other's world silently, uh, and it kind of fitted perfectly with the the feel of it. Yeah, and while it was welcome that later games made that easier it kind of went against the fiction a little bit you know they tried really hard for that not to be the case because you know one of the great things about all the souls games and bloodborne is that all the functionality is built into the lore of the world yeah but it it did feel like you know being able to play with a friend so easily and it and rather than working together silently with somebody you don't know and the kind of implicit threat of that which was always in dark so in demon souls you know even though you're playing co-op they might not help you out they might just fuck yes. out do you know what i mean <laughs> there was all of yeah. that that happened there so yeah it always felt like it went against the the fiction i mean that is that's not to say that i want that to be the case but it's, I, I kind of I don't know. What's the word for holding two ideas in your head at the same time? There's a word for that. Um, but it's that anyway. Hopefully that's close to a launch game. Yes. Yeah, I would hope I think so. The, the other thing is that Sony are showing nine new games here. They've got another five months to go over and reiterate and show more of these games. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to get snippets at the moment. Um, next up was Deathloop by Arcane Studios. Oh, yes. who have a good history with um, the Dishonored games. Yeah. Um, and I, it, I certainly saw some of the Dishonored. Oh, I mean, even um, the one of the first moves you see is basically Blink from Dishonored. Yes. The the idea here is it's similar to um, what's it called? It Returnal. Yeah. In that you you die and rerun through. Um, but the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking Christie's going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Christie game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All over, and it does look really nice. Yeah, I mean, what I said this on the forum is worth worth saying here. It's impossible to find this on the internet. But Jay Allard, the guy that, well, he was a co-creator of Xbox Live and the Xbox. And he was a bit of a vision, or I mean, he still is a bit of a visionary. <laughs> Pardon me. And he did this 
talk about the idea of anti-co-op and he he felt like this kind of connected gaming era that we were moving into wasn't just going to be about like online shooters there was going to be this idea of anti-co-op where you might be playing a single player game and somebody comes in and plays the bad guy um and he talked about it quite eloquently and it really fired my imagination at the time and I, you know i still remember it quite well and in that time there's only really been a couple of series that have done it properly first one was the left for dead games where yeah. if you you know you could play as the zombies and i always felt like the zombies your job if you're in the zombies was to be an actor in the other uh, in the other player's game and so you know it it wasn't necessarily to win it was you know jump scares and fun and making it as thrilling as possible and and so i always like i really enjoyed that and that felt like a realization of this anti-co-op idea but it wasn't like i mean the story wasn't the best and it and it didn't really you know mesh in the the way that he envisaged and then the the souls games with invasions and all that kind of stuff even though i hate invasions that this idea of you know a bad guy invading your world that's exactly what Jay Allard was talking about. And then now we have Deathloop where, you know, you you can play, you know, the main game and be the good guy or in quotes, the good guy. Or you can invade someone else's game and be the guard, the person who's trying to stop you from killing and assassinating one of the, you know, characters in the game. And and that is exactly what Jay Allard was talking about. And I I'm so excited by the idea. And I'm really excited by the fact that it's the guys who did Dishonored that are doing it. Me just quickly, it gives me real spies versus mercenaries from Splinter Cell vibes as well. Yeah. I just thought actually that this sort of gameplay where one person or one group of people are getting quite a, a long, more standard experience and other people drop in and out of games um, and just play the bad guys, which might die quite quickly. Yeah. Short snippets. That's made, should be made easier by the fact that we're getting much shorter load times. Yes. Because you can sort of drop in and out of other people's games and, not always up against the same people. So from your perspective playing, if you're up against the really great players, maybe you want to quit out and go into Kings <laughs> 1 where, you, where you're not so uh, dying so instantly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Just the idea. And this is the, I'll come back to this, the whole idea of what next gen actually is once we're through the games. Yeah, almost there. It, it's worth noting just as a as a side note, the Doom, the, the 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 most recent Doom is going to do this as well. In a patch, um, they're going to be. I mean, I think you opt in to allowing this in your game, but okay, players will be able to invade other players' worlds as demons. Okay. So it's becoming something that, it, you know, at last people are catching on to the idea that you don't just have to have this kind of, you know, standard shooter approach to connected gaming. So, yeah, sorry, carry on. Um, Resident Evil 8 or Village, <laughs> whichever way you want to read it. <laughs> um, I'm not 
the hugest Resident Evil fan. I think you're more of a Resident Evil fan than me. I am, but I'm also a wuss and I get the nopes <laughs> very, very easily. So, uh, yeah, the, the more realistic the Resident Evil games have become in terms of visuals, uh, the more nopes I get, unfortunately. Yeah. So this looks like a bit of a departure, doesn't it? It's like looks like werewolves and... Yes, werewolves. It looked a bit okay to me. Yeah. Like it, something that they've shifted into this generation rather than originally designed in this generation. It looked... There were some shots that looked like perfect for VR shots. Okay. You know how in some films you get this, you look at the shot and you know that there's going to be a 3D movie. Yes. It looked like that. Um, so, and Resident Evil, Resident Evil 7 was, you could play the, the whole way through that in uh, in VR. In fact, that's the funniest thing that I've ever seen was <laughs> the, the VR demo of Resident Evil 7. And it, I played yeah. it. And my wife, Rachel, sat next to me, so she knew what was coming. And then she tried it. <laughs> she sat. <laughs> and you, you're you're basically tied to a chair. And you hear something skittering around you in the shadows. And then this crazy-looking, skinny old wifey with a dagger looms over you very quickly. And, and all you saw was Rachel <laughs> arching backwards going, <laughs> I think it was the. It's still one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So yeah, the VR in in Resident Evil Seven was astonishing. So I I am intrigued by this. And then almost there, Pragmata from Capcom. Yeah, that gave me Death Stranding vibes. Yeah, same here. That also had cats in. Pragmata. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. Um. That one looks a little way off. Yeah. It's almost Project Pragmata. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> On the interesting side point, I had heard that certain Japanese development houses had kind of gone more towards one or the other camp, i.e. one of Sony and Microsoft were going to be more aligned in terms of um, marketing deals with Capcom and one was going to be more aligned with Konami. Right. And so it looks like Sony Capcom from this, because there was no Konami there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But that's, that's just like a side note. Yeah. And then to finish off, we had Horizon 2, Forbidden West. Which just looked immense. The, the amount of detail in each of the bits was just huge. Mm. Um, the amount going on and the just the density of stuff. Just really, really impressive. Which is what you'd expect from them anyway. As I um, said at the time, it does mean I'm going to have to actually finish the original. <laughs> <laughs> the story's a little bit... I don't know. I'll see how it plays out. Yeah. The, the animals are getting poisoned type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit... Mm. Yeah, it's, it was the, the problem at the time was that it came out at the same time as Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And Breath of the Wild, for me anyway, it completely changed my my expectation of open world games in particular. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, clearly enough time has passed 
Actually, <laughs> weirdly, it's it, exactly the same reason that my wife didn't finish it because <clears throat> she was playing Horizon Zero Dawn yeah. and then went to London, got snowed in because it was exactly when that massive snow across the country where everybody got snowed in wherever they were for like nigh on two weeks. She got stuck trying to get back home. She got stuck in Newcastle for days and bought a switch because she was bored with Breath of the Wild. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to do. She couldn't get, it, you know, no entertainments or anything. So she took a punt on one. Um, yeah. and got Breath of the Wild with it. And that was what she played for the next two months instead. You know, and I, and yeah. we were both talking about that yesterday and, and saying we'll have to finish Horizon Zero Dawn now. Um, I do thoroughly recommend it. I finished Horizon Zero Dawn. I never did the DLC. Right. I really enjoyed it. And a lot of that was to do with the combat, which I thought was really exceptional for an open world game. Yeah. Right, so carrying on with the PS5 reveal, <laughs> there's a the question of whether next gen was delivered or not, and I think it absolutely was, but in different ways than people expect it to. For so long, it's always been the the graphics I looked at. Yeah, we get a bump in resolution, we get a bump in detail, we get a bump in what's possible with the graphics. And in terms of steps there, I don't think this generation is going to be so obviously... No, it's not. A step it's up. Not. You have to look at specific titles. You have to compare delivered. between previous generation to, to really see the difference. Yeah. Spider-Man and Horizon 2 all really delivered if you look at them in a proper decent stream. Yeah. Um, how they're going to look on your TV as well is going to be another step forward. But if the you thing is, the current, the current Spider-Man uh, game is stunning on yeah. PS4. We've also had the mid-gen refreshes this time round. Yeah. Which yeah, that's true. muddies the waters somewhat. Mm. Um, and I think we're approaching the level where you can add sort of four or five times the GPU power. Um but it doesn't have as big an impact as it used to have because you're now looking at more the finer details somewhat. Yeah, I think it's and it, it's and enabling not, developers to yes. do things. It's not necessarily, you know, that obvious to us. I think, and it's, it's also not every developer's got the resources to do the top level stuff but i think the the power will make it easier for those the developers without the resources to get more out of things than they they would do previously so they have to do less optimization and can concentrate more on other areas but what i think next gen will be more about is the other areas so the faster loading i don't think people really appreciate until it comes how much difference that's going to make yeah. to how you play games and how you can play games afterwards it's just going to make it a lot more immediate less downtime yeah more you know snappier easy, interfaces and easier to just dive in play something for a bit come out again where you're not waiting for a lot of that time yeah 
the moment you can wait 60 seconds plus a couple of minutes for a start screen to come up, which says press A, you press A, and it loads something else for another minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and if you die, then restarting can mean a lengthy load time or just transitioning. It will just make things a lot more seamless um, and easy to do. Yes. And I think that one of the things I'm worried about is that once I start experiencing that on PlayStation 5, Xbox One X, it's going to seem more of a retro step than it would have done because I'll be sat there going, should be loaded already. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It will be quite um, jarring, I think. Yeah. The other parts I would say that it did, will or should deliver on is audio. I think the sort of 3D audio stuff that Sony are doing is going to be quite impressive. They did that on the the stream as well. I it, I thought, because I had headphones on, I thought the, set, yeah. the sound was really quite markedly impressive. Yeah, I think that when games start using sort of 3D positional stuff, and if you can get a a profile that fits for you and it works for you, I think that's going to be um, something that builds a better distinction. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, then you've also got what a faster SSD can do for game design as well. The sort of barriers and... Um, things it reduces and things that developers can think about which they were too much effort to work around or they couldn't even consider before. Yeah, so, so. the I mean a, an apt uh, example might be the choice of Spider-Man as a, a hero in, in the game currently when, I don't know, it, to mix... Uh, our superhero universes you might end up in the next generation being able to have a flash game or a superman yes. game where loading you know it, loading times might have been a consideration in saying actually no that's not something we should really tackle yet yeah that was what they demoed from one of the first things they demoed was this is a fast ssd and the speed that they could go with spider-man was limited by how fast they could stream yeah um, they couldn't go any faster. There was one other thing that I just thought of, which was... Um, God damn it. <laughs> I've been interrupted and completely forgotten. It will come to me at the end and then I'll just go, aha, it was this. Yeah, um, <laughs> that just happened to me, actually. Cognitive dissonance. Yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> obviously we got some changes in the controller which should be quite nice still not showing the back of the pad yes that was some of the things so there's things they didn't tell us about there's no price yet no and there's a little bit of you go no you go no you go yeah from Sony and Microsoft they haven't shown the rear of the controller yet which I'd love it to be the extra buttons back there. It yeah. just seems so obvious. And why am they showing the back? They yeah. always show, that's the thing. They always give you like a full 3D, 360 yeah. pass around these things, but they haven't done it with the pad. And I think that's a choice. And I'd love to know yeah. why. 
The other thing I noticed, or several people have noticed, is that they showed a little remote. Um, and right at the top in the middle, there's a mic button. So similar to what you'd get on a TV remote right. on LG sets that basically you can either use it to mute the mic for voice controls or you can use it to activate it. Uh-huh. So on the um, LG remote, you hold it down, say a command, and then it, it does it. Um, so I think that there's that sort of functionality in the PS5 that they haven't really um, discussed, and it's one of the things that they're holding back on. Right, okay. But there's just these little hints that it's coming, or there's going to be better integration of voice controls. Yeah. I did see somebody mention there was two mics at the front, and I think that's to do with noise cancellation. Oh, on the controllers? Yeah. Yeah, they mentioned, I think they have actually probably mentioned that there is some noise cancellation stuff. Right. On the mics and the controllers, and it actually works pretty well yeah as you don't need a headset which is quite good yeah that would be quite nice if that's the case and one final thing there was two SKUs yeah there's a digital edition and a disc version yeah which was yeah that was very nice I think (laughs) fairly obvious that we'd both go for the digital edition (laughs) yeah I think so I don't know though I I I, so I sometimes get, like, in terms of presents, it makes it easier if I just say to my, you know, like around Christmas time, if my daughter says, what can I get you? I say, like, just get me a game or something like that, a cheap game or something. It makes it more difficult for that to happen. So I think, yeah. I've got no games on disc now, I think. Maybe one or two. Yeah. And 300-odd digitally, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got a tiny fraction of what i've got digitally is physical in fact i think i've got them all in my unit i think there's like six um yeah but they're you know they're presents so it's i'd be interested to see if they include an add-on you can get later but not include but you know announce an add-on i suspect probably not no i don't know it depends on um I suppose it might depend on backward compatibility, which is another thing that they, they've they told us about but not fully discussed. Yeah. There's question marks about whether it, it goes back further than we're expecting it to. But then again, I've still got quite a big digital PS3 library, so I don't think I'd need it for actually sticking PS3 discs in either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... It, aesthetically, the digital edition looks better as well it yeah just looks like it was meant to look i think uh, yeah i i don't know i i think they kind of either way they're leaning into quirk quite heavily so i i'm you know i i don't really mind it being asymmetrical i'm fine yeah I'm fine with that i've remembered <laughs> yay <laughs> the other bit that will be providing next-gen experiences is the cpu Right, you don't doesn't come across so well, or so obviously, in clips of um, games. But when you actually play some games which exploit the extra power you got in the CPU for doing better AI, for doing better physics, for doing better stuff that has always been limited or 
taken a back seat to other things, i.e. getting pretty pictures out. Yeah. <laughs> then um you will it will be less tangible, but you'd miss it if it was taken away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's very exciting. I'm quite quite hyped by it all. I hate the fact that I yes. used the word hyped, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the big PS five reveal. I did put something just after this which kind of links in some recent news over the last couple of days to do with UIs. Right, go on. So um, Microsoft have announced that the Xbox Series X will have the same user interface as the Xbox One, which is something that we had previously discussed and kind of thought might be the case. Yeah. Because they'd been changing it recently. Reasonable size change. Um, And in terms of Microsoft doing the whole ecosystem and still supporting the Xbox One, it kind of makes sense from that perspective to have a more unified experience yeah. going through. Sony's approach has been very much they like generations. Um, and via the user experience VP chatting with people in LinkedIn, we've gained a fair bit of new information. <laughs> Good old leakage. Uh-oh. Well, he's, he's not given away full details, but he's said basically it's 100% new. Right. There's okay. new design language, new interface, and it's it's all slick. The response times they're talking of for doing various bits, they're counting in milliseconds, that sort of thing. So quite looking forward to seeing how that works, runs. I think of the two interfaces, I prefer PS4. Mm-hmm. It's just got a better design from a logic perspective. Xbox One has got lots and lots of features and different ways you can do the same thing. The biggest problem, and it's been there, it's a cardinal sin in interface design, is they have been inconsistent throughout the it's it's life do you know what i mean yeah. it's it's they've fairly radically changed uh how things work over time and i get that they're trying to find something that flows but it's not allowed people to learn most interfaces you know experienced users will be happy with because they know where everything is what they've done is move everything around on a fairly regular basis so i I mean from their point of view i think it makes sense that they don't change things now if they found something that works for them changing it for the next xbox would probably be a massive mistake but it does it does kind of feed into the idea that i mean what are you upgrading to really do you know i mean as a console gamer I've kind of uh, evolved this attitude that, you know, generations are important and I have an expectation of what happens when a new machine comes out, you know, barring a kind of mid-gen refresh. refresh. And what we've got now with Microsoft is that's their strategy. Nothing is new. Everything is a mid-gen refresh. Yes. And their own titles continuing to run on xbox one yeah first year or so it's it's a double-edged sword because all of these things are great you know from a customer point of view it's a good way to treat your customer yes 
So I, I, I find it hard to figure out which way to come down on this at all. They're, you know, it, they're definitely, weirdly, they're disrupt, disrupting things by not changing very much. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, interesting. Yes. It's, next up, it's more not E3-ness, specifically sort of PC not E3-ness um, and other not E3-ness that you've been watching over the weekend and I've caught some bits of. Yeah. Um, is there anything we haven't covered that you'd like to cover? Um, yeah, so, well, there was a game that's, I mean, there's a demo on Steam that's worth a look, a, a game called Ghost Runner, which is a kind of ninja mirror's, mirror's edge type thing, um, which I found, I enjoyed the demo. It's about 15 minutes long, if that. It's it's very good. It's very frustrating, but um, it definitely got a one, uh, one more go type feel about that. And there's a decent trailer came out which goes into more detail about you know what you can expect when the game releases. Um, interestingly, uh, from a Souls like fan point of view, a game popped up called Mortal Shell, which looks uh, really quite. Uh, I mean it. It's, That's a Soulsy type one, isn't it? It's very Soulsy. It's like almost breathtakingly uh, like Dark Souls, but way more edge lordy. Uh, yeah, like way more. Uh, I it, like the the ticket for entry may require you to wear a Matrix leather jacket. That kind of <laughs> level of edge lord, but it does look uh, really quite good. So that that. Uh, was interesting. Torchlight 3 suddenly appeared in early access and that's been a little bit controversial because it was originally called something else and was going to be a free-to-play MMO and actually aside from the monetization I thought it looked quite interesting because I quite like the idea of this kind of Diablo-esque gameplay in MMO form and they're still doing the kind of MMO thing with it at the moment so i might take a dip into early access um i I suspect it's not well i know it's not going to have the same forms of monetization because you're paying outright so i'm interested in that everspace 2 now everspace 1 a lot of people got confused by what that was thought it was like some kind of no man's sky explorer it was a roguelike space flight space combat game it wasn't really any exploring to be done uh, in that sense Everspace 2 looks to be more like a No Man's Sky game, and it looks quite stunning. Uh, and I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. And the thing that really interested me most of all was this shoot 'em up, which has been it come out of the Lebanon. Um, and they've got a ex Pixar animator on board. Uh, it's called Signy, All Guns Blazing. And I highly recommend you you look out the gameplay reveal trailer because I mm-hmm. I did watch it. I was sat there thinking, oh uh, yeah, nice transition, and it goes into shoot 'em up, and I'm thinking, no, I don't really fancy a shoot 'em up. I'm a bit too old for the reactions required. But by the end of the little demo, I was there thinking, well, actually, <laughs> yeah, I just felt okay. like the transition is stunning. The transition yeah. from cutscene to actual gameplay is a, like a massive surprise. 
and it, and it really took my breath away. And it's like a, a technological achievement in itself. So yeah, and I, for me, I think shoot 'em ups over the last decade or so have been really obsessed with mimicking the shoot 'em ups of old and being all pixel arty and and all that kind of stuff. And I actually think when shoot 'em ups started, they were a technological marvel. Um, yeah. And and that was part of what they were about. And this is the first one I've seen in a long time that is that. Do you know what I mean? It's actually in their tradition of technologically astonishing uh, gaming. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the roots of the shoot-em-up are arcades. Yeah. Um, and it's a style of gameplay that lends itself very well to insert another 10p. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you've also got to attract the person in the first place. So visually, they have to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Bring so, people in. And, and, and that's what this does. I think, you know, most shoot-em-ups that have been made in the last 10 years are speaking, they're preaching to the choir. They, yeah. it, you know, they're only interested in attracting the attention of people who already like that thing. Whereas this is different this will get a lot of people looking at it i hope it does because it looks like it deserves the attention other than that an old favorite of ours got um remnant from the ashes they announced a, another uh, it's, they say it's their biggest dlc yet it looks massive it looks really quite good and made me feel guilty about not finishing it <laughs> i finished it i know I killed those <laughs> damn butterfly things god they were so difficult I find them so hard. Yeah, so I there's part of me wants to go back in, start again, and see if I can finish the damn thing because I like the look of the the DLC. And finally, just because uh, I'm a big Ron Perlman fan, um, <laughs> there's a game, uh, a kind of isometric shooter called West of Dead. Um, that got um, I, I'd seen it before, but I didn't realise that Ron Perlman was voicing the main character, and so I'm I'm in for that. That looks <laughs> really fun. Um, so that was the PC Gamer Show. It was actually quite well put together. Uh, very well done, especially seeing as they had to put it together, it, you know, in lockdown. It, it looked the production values were very high. Yeah, and uh, there's a reasonable amount of interest in some of the other stuff for console gamers as well because so much is crossover these days and yeah, exactly. some of the games that were just introduced in terms of a an opening introduction on the PS5 presentation have got longer videos and more information elsewhere. Yeah. Which is worth having a look at. Right. So coming up soon coming up soon right okay so well uh, i'll quickly go over because we should really have gone over this at the beginning of the month yeah i well obviously we had i i'm actually tempted by this is valorant which got launched june the 2nd which is uh, lots of people are comparing it to counter-strike times overwatch i actually get do you remember the shadow run shooter yes I get really? Shadowrun vibes off of this, and that makes me want to play it. I used to like this. I was a ninja character in that. Yeah. Well, I, I used to Word. play the dwarf with the big spiky walls. <laughs> you? 
<laughs> you choose the dwarf. Did he have a Scottish accent as well? He, he might have done, actually. <laughs> Hadn't occurred. And then we've got, obviously, 51 Worldwide Games, which that's a, it, it's a, it's a great game. That's a slow burner. That's something that will stay with you for months and months. When you're bored, you fancy a game of something new. Mm-hmm. What else did did we get this month? Was Maneater this month, or was that last month? That was last month. Right, interesting uh, ocean bound explorer that just released a few days ago called Beyond Blue, um, oh, which is which I find interesting. It's um it's it's got the backing of the BBC. Looks quite nice actually. So I'm curious about that. Uh, Desperados 3 that launches tomorrow uh, I, every time I see that I'm kind of tempted because I do like <coughs> pardon me um, I do like that style of uh, game I don't play many of them but I always have a good time when I give one a go uh, Disintegration which is a hybrid FPS RTS that's coming out tomorrow unfortunately that's it's not even really mixed reviews it's 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 not particularly well liked in terms of the yeah. story, at least, which is a shame because it looked like it could have been quite good. Isn't there some Halo pedigree behind it? Or... Yeah, Marcus Leto is the guy, the creative director, guy who started the, this studio. He was a co-creator of Halo. Okay. Looking at it, we've got Burnout Remastered on Switch, which I would be tempted by. But it looks like it, I think it's full price. It's like fifty quid or something. Yeah, um, and I'm you know just not into that. The one I am into on June the nineteenth is The Last of Us Two. That reviews have just come out, but um, and it's gone down quite well, should we say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. I was concerned actually because I felt like the when they first showed it, they focused on the violence. And yeah. not on the motivation. Yeah. And so I, I just felt like what they were showing was kind of little miss psychopath. And and I wasn't really interested in that. But that this it seems like they've actually, you know, written a, a good story. And I, there was another reason to be concerned about that. They lost a couple of prominent writers, if I remember rightly, uh, in the process of making The Last of Us 2 as well. And there's not really much else. So from from the last of us in a, a, at the end of this week, there's I mean there's a few things that are coming out, but nothing Maybe. really that piques my interest at all. No, it's quite normally you wouldn't plan to release around E3 unless it was heavily tied into E3. Yeah, and a lot of games will not be you know I suppose they didn't announce the release date for the Last of Us two until quite recently yeah so it was delayed at least once yeah and then Um, they had that massive leak and they had to get in front of that and that's when they decided to launch I think yeah so uh, but yeah a few different bits were delayed by the ongoing situation in the world yeah (laughs) (laughs) don't mention it (laughs) <laughs> everything's normal outside um, yeah so that's everything that's that's coming up soon and I think is that us that is yes 
My God, that's a long one. I can barely talk now. It's almost two hours. So yeah, apologies uh, for running on so long, but there, it has been a massive, massive few weeks for gaming, and it's going to be big over the next few weeks as well. So we're probably going to record and try and get back on track, are we, Dan, by recording in... A couple of weeks' time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, there'll be enough from the further E3 stuff to come by then. Yeah, and I think then so. The months after that will all be packed full of next gen stuff. Yeah. There may come, we might end up, you know, fingers crossed with if Xbox do something big, we might end up doing a big long kind of special edition again. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. So with all that done, and in order to give my voice a rest, I will just say stay well, stay safe, be happy, and goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Bye. Bye. was produced by Dan Densley and edited by Christy McPherson and it was presented by both of those idiots and our excellent new theme tune is La Calahora by Roll Music. It was made available via Creative Commons license on freemusicarchive.org forward slash music forward slash roll music <laughs>